We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my friends. I'm so honored you're spending some time with me here today on Journey to Center and Empower Radio. Yes, challenges, challenges in our relationships, career, or in life are not usually fun and not something we consciously seek. But something I know to be true is that challenges are inevitable. In fact, challenges can be one of the most powerful ways we learn, evolve, expand, and grow as spiritual beings having this human experience. I know in retrospect, some of the things that I thought were so horrible and the very worst thing that could happen from the level of my ego or personality were in truth the very best thing that could have happened from the perspective of my soul. Here's a quote that I love from Horace. Adversity has the effect of eliciting talents which in prosperous circumstances would have lain dormant. And here's another great quote from Henry David Thoreau. All misfortune is but a stepping stone to fortune. Today, I'm going to be talking about adversity as opportunity with a good friend and internationally acclaimed artist, Fred Choate. Fred is living his life's purpose, doing what he loves, and is quite prosperous doing it. But this was not always the case. Fred is going to be sharing stories on his scenic route to success and his challenging transition from having a job to having a career to manifesting his true purpose. In the past, Fred has worked as a high school counselor, worked for a construction company, was a cabinet maker, and for a while even lived out of his car. Today, Fred is a famous Idaho artist and muralist and has received a great deal of attention, accolades, and awards. Some of Fred's best friends are his paintbrushes, his paint walls, and canvases, and he makes the world a better and more beautiful place because of his courage, commitment, and desire to go for his dreams. Fred Choate, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Tammy. I'm glad to be here. I am so excited to have you here. I've been wanting you on the show for a little while, and I guess I had to be patient, and all good things come to those who wait. So I'm so, so happy to have you here with me today and sharing your interesting story. So Fred, I know you took the scenic route and a circuitous journey on the way to finally claiming your ideal career path. And I would love to start our conversation with a little bit of your backstory. Okay. Uh, How far back do you want me to go? Well, I know you shared with me your story about your father's intention for your career. So why don't we start somewhere around there? <laughs> okay. Well, I, I've known, I, I can remember the, uh, I can remember knowing in kindergarten that I had to go to college. And, uh, and my father, that was, that was just, that was a given. But the other given was, and, the, and, the, and another given was that I could do anything I wanted to do. He strongly believed you know, in imparting on his children that we could do anything we wanted to do, as long as it wasn't art. You know, he paid for college, so his rule was no art classes, because he what you know you're not going to waste your time if you go if you uh, take to take art. So I ended up, uh, I guess, in a subtle revenge, I got a degree in sociology. Tried getting a job with that. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting, <laughs> but yes, probably not lucrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I ended up. Uh, 
I, I got a degree in sociology, and then I started graduate school in counseling. I don't think I ever wanted to be a counselor. I was just trying to trying to sort out my own miserable little life that I was living. Um, but anyway, I, I'm an all but thesis for a master's in counseling. I, uh, I I dropped out without without ever doing a thesis. I just basically lost lost interest, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I worked as a vocational counselor. I did my internship as a, as a junior high school counselor, and then I worked as a vocational counselor. And another counselor, counselor, a friend of mine and I, uh, we both quit our jobs and started a construction company and started building houses, which was uh, was certainly a, a lot more fun. It was it was the uh, the early seventies. The, the the 60s were still in the air, and uh, we were beginning to be outside in the weather which was real kind of ideal and romantic at the beginning. But then when the first winter rolled around, I realized I wanted to work indoors. And that's when I became a, a Finnish carpenter and worked my way to becoming a cabinet maker. So then I, I spent, actually spent many years as a cabinet maker. Uh, I was in Boise. Uh, well, the, the, my, it was a circuitous route getting to Boise. I actually lived in my car for a couple of years because I went through a Pretty pretty deep bout of depression, uh, but I got to Boise and uh, uh, in the middle of a big recession, and uh, so there was no construction going on. I, I was able to get a few small jobs enough to kind of keep myself going, but not enough to thrive. And I hated. I was getting to the point where I hated carpentry work anyway. It was it was noisy. It was dirty. Uh, quite often, I didn't I didn't like the clients I had. I didn't like the people I worked with. I, I developed a pretty bad attitude. And uh, but the economy just pretty much here in, here in Boise just crashed, and I figured at the time I could starve as an artist or I could starve as a carpenter. So I hung up my tool belt, and picked up you know pencils and a paintbrushes, and uh, committed myself to painting one hour a day. I was really frustrated because I I've known in my heart all all along that I was an artist, but I was not producing any art. So I started to come every day. I would I would get back to my apartment about five o'clock, and I would sit down and draw until I went to bed. And I did that for literally about two years. And yeah, that's with, great. But with it, and at the end of that time, I uh, I knew an architect that started lining up some mural projects for me. So I at least started making my living with my with my paintbrushes. Then I could call myself an artist. And uh, even though I was doing other people's visions, I, I, I painted murals. I also uh, uh, took a job for a while painting billboards, painting the big, the big illustrations on uh, 14 foot by 48 foot billboards that were always wow. hanging about, uh, you know, 10 to 20 feet up in the air. So I, I was not only being an artist, I was playing Spider-Man at the same time. I say, that sounds a little dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at least I was able to paint. I was, you know, yes, you're that, in the right direction. Worth, Mm-hmm. That was more. That was worth more to me than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but just just being able to make my living with a paintbrush, and 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 without without carpentry tools, without uh, being a bureaucrat somewhere, uh, you know, I, I was an artist. I was I was finally I I thought at the time living my dream. Huh. Well, it was so much. It was so much improved over where you had been. Yes, and I'm yes. listening to you. I have so much compassion for you. And this has been my story, and it's probably the story of some of our listeners to really struggle with that um, depression and angst. And it's because you're not doing what your soul came here to do. Yeah, yeah. And but t- not yeah. having the awareness of it. You know, that's 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 kind of tragic. Yeah, 
And, and one of the things I discovered on the way, I, I uh, through the through through the periods of depression and stuff, I started to see a counselor. And uh, one of the things the counselor was uh, always harping at me to do was to go visit my father's grave, and uh, which and I, uh, you know, it didn't seem to be that. It seemed kind of dumb. It didn't seem that important. And I, uh, and every time I was in the town where he was buried, I, which is not far from here, I would always conveniently forget to go there. And uh, one day I actually, I finally did. I, uh, I, it took me about, oh, probably about a half an hour to find his grave. I had not been there since the funeral. And uh, the minute I saw his name on the tombstone, I just collapsed in a puddle and laid on the ground, just bawled and bawled and bawled, and for I, for I have no idea how long. And uh, then I got up, got back in my car, drove back to Boise, and uh, the next day I ran into a, a, an artist, which led me to meet another artist who was an instructor, who, who was a professional landscape painter from Chicago, and who had moved out west for, for a couple of years to paint. And uh, he became my, my instructor mentor. But it took, it took getting my father out of the way. This was like five years after he had died. He was still running my life and still blocking me. I, I, was still al- I mean, he wasn't doing it. I was using him to not, to not follow my dream. Mm. But as and so soon many as of I w- us do that, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so as soon as, I was, as, soon as, as soon as I was able to have him out of the way, it's the instructor was all of a sudden magically there just within days and uh, yes. which enabled me to take off on my, on my current life. I, I started to say career, but I would say this is more my life. Yes. Again, I think this is your life's purpose. There's job, career, and life purpose. Yeah. And this, it sounded like you expressing your grief supported you in clearing the landscape so that you could embark on the path of your life's purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I've known I've known my entire life that I was an artist, but my my angst and frustration was that was that knowing I wasn't doing art at the same time, but that just kind of created a festering wound in my center. Yeah, you were. Yeah. Your, it's like your loyalties were split between your yes. father and then your spiritual father. Yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my father was was an ex marine. Uh, he oh. he had. Uh, he was he his combat experience World War II was on Guadalcanal, and uh, I mean he was, the defining part of his character was he was a Marine and he was just the strength and bearing of the man was was, was just a, he he was an amazing man, but he knew how the world should be and uh, the world you know he was not he was not going to have an eldest son who was an artist. <laughs> that, yeah, I that can see as a Marine that might be challenging. Sure. Wow. Yeah, that, that, I didn't know that. I can see where that would be quite a conundrum for you and for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So I know you told this really cool story about where you were going to turn your back on art at one point, and then you had some Chinese food. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. You got a fortune this, cookie. This I'd like a, you to tell that story. Okay. I have a, my, my instructor, um, or my, my main painting instructor is a guy named Tom Sheffs. His last name is, is, has an unusual spelling. It's S-Z-E-W-C. He's an artist from Chicago, and I think, it's, I think he had uh, graduated from the Philadelphia Academy of Fine Arts. And uh, uh, he, he was not only a, just an incredible artist, but he was very academically articulate about what he was doing. So he was able to explain things to me very well about painting. He, 
and he and I had gone to a uh, painting workshop in eastern Idaho run by uh, Ovanis Berberian. And Ovanis is a, is a Ukrainian artist that lives here in Idaho. And he's inter- just internationally renowned, really a, really a top flight, in, just incredible artist. And so I took this class from him, and about the third day of the class, it was very obvious to me that I did not have what it takes to, be a, to really be a professional landscape painter. And uh, I was t- talking to, uh, we were, we'd left the class that evening to go into town to have something to eat, and we had gone to a Chinese restaurant, and I was telling Tom, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll paint for a hobby from now on. It's, it's, I needed to see that I don't have what it takes. Now, now I can make peace with that. I'll paint for a hobby. I'll enjoy it. I'll have a life. I'm going to go get a real estate license or something. You know, I'll, I'll do something else for a living. And I got a Chinese, I got a fortune cookie at the table that night that said, "Art is your fate. Don't debate." <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I felt like I felt like Michael Corleone when he was just getting out of the mafia, and they suck him back in. <laughs> <laughs> I love that and, story. God can talk to us in a lot of ways, including fortune cookies. <laughs> yeah. So the next morning, we uh, we went up to a place along the Snake River called Mesa Falls, and I did a really wonderful little painting of the falls. And I have the falls and the uh, fortune cookie. Uh, I'm looking at them right now. I'm, I'm in my dining room, and uh, the uh, the uh, the two are hanging right next to each other in my in my dining room. And uh, the, I, I love looking at it. Brings back a lot of memories just looking at it every time I walk by it. I'm sure. And and what a defining moment, and how far you've come. Yeah, yeah. Because I really I was serious. I I had you know I, I was. It was, enough is enough. I'm, I'm giving up the dream. You know, it's, it's, it's not worth what I'm putting into it. Yes. But now, yes. all of a sudden, it, uh, you know, after that, it just really kind of took off. I just, that sounds uh, like you, were, you gave yourself permission to put both feet back in. Yes, yes. The struggles, it, became, it was still just as difficult. But uh, difficult doesn't mean it can't be incredibly rewarding. But, you know, kind well, of if it was hardest, easy, everybody would be doing it. And I think for sure, you know. That's what I tell my being, students all the yes. time. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Exactly, exactly. You know, the spiritual, you know, we're spiritual beings having this human experience, but it's rough. It's not yeah. for the faint of heart of the weak. It's not an easy gig. And I think we all deserve some compassion. Because <laughs> yeah. this uh-huh. can be intense. Uh-huh. Now, I, I guess uh, the further chapter of the story is that, you know, I was taking these, I was taking painting classes and then I actually, Tom moved away, moved back to Chicago, and I started teaching painting classes, which was a, a way to bring in a little bit of income and uh, continue painting. But my living was still made with murals. Uh, there were a, a couple of fast food chains. I was doing murals in their, in their stores. Uh, there was some, a, a, big, big, a lot of big mural projects around Boise, and I became known as the mural guy. I was the go-to guy if you wanted a mural. And uh, then, then the, the recession hit again, uh, this, this last downturn, my income just stopped. It, I mean, it didn't, it didn't slow down, it just stopped, uh, ex- except for my classes. By then I was teaching, I'm t- I, was teaching I teach but, oh, but four to five classes a week, and that was bringing me in just enough income that I could almost survive. Uh, and, I, and just... I mean, I, I had enough to live on. I could sell an occasional painting, but I didn't have anything extra. And I, I went to church one Sunday, and the sermon of the day, 
had to do with the, the truth of your life versus the facts of your life. Mm. And the facts of my life, in thinking about it, was, was that I, I was pretty much broke. I, I, I had enough to live on, but uh, you know, I could get up and have a hot shower every morning, and, and uh, I, I didn't miss many meals, uh, but I didn't have anything extra to spend. I, I was accustomed to going out for coffee in the mornings, and I stopped doing that. I figured how much I was spending on coffee, and I started making my own coffee and staying home. The more I stayed at home, the more I, time I spent in my studio painting, and I realized the facts of my life were that I was broke. The truth of my life is this is the life I've been wanting to live all along. I can, I can get up in the morning, go into my studio, and I'm not, I'm not painting somebody else's thing. I'm doing my own vision. I, I'm, free to, I'm free, totally free to do anything I want to do now. And it's, and it's working. The paintings are starting to sell, and um, actually right now I'm doing quite well. I know you are. I'm so proud of but you. I, and just in Tammy, the eight I, years I've known you, you've come Tammy, so far. I would far. have never taken that risk if the, if, yes. the, if the economy hadn't shut down. I, yeah, it, it's like what I was, the quote I read in the beginning. It's like, you know, prosperity can keep us from really going from uh, going for our soul's deeper purpose. Yeah. I know that's been uh-huh. true for me as well. Mm-hmm. And I, there's I, something, you know, you did an interview with um, the paper a little while back, and I just absolutely yeah. love something you wrote about, and it's called, um, you called it the four stages to learning how to paint. And I would apply these four <laughs> stages to almost anything. For me, it's been for the radio show, it's been for writing, it's been for life. And do yeah. you recall those four stages right offhand, Fred? Yeah, when you first start to paint, you're at a level of unconscious incompetence. You, you know, you, you step up to the canvas and you, you don't know what to do. Yes. You, you start, you, start uh, you don't know anything about it. So maybe then you go seek some instruction and you get to a point then where you have conscious incompetence. You begin to become aware of the things you don't know. Uh, and then as you progress, if you continue progressing, then you come to a level of conscious competence where you start through just practice, 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 you, you, uh, you, you develop a level of confidence and competence. And then the final stage is unconscious competence, where you just stand in front of the canvas and you already know it. It just happens. It just, it just lays out in front of you. And I, I guess you know, a, lot of, a lot of artists call that being in the zone. Yes, in the groove, in the zone. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it takes, again, a lot, it takes a lot of practice, to, whether you're playing golf or painting or whatever. It takes it takes a long time to get there. It but takes the a lot of time so to make, it. it takes a lot of effort to make things look effortless. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So when I read that, I went that, I love those. I haven't heard that before, but the four stages, I think has been true for me in so many areas of my life. Writing my first book took four years. The second one took six months. And uh-huh. it was, I went through those four stages. And with those four stages comes, I think, a lot of like questioning ourselves and doubt, just like you when you talked about going to that class, you went, you know what, I can't do this. This is stupid. What am I thinking? Yeah. And then God mm-hmm. tapped you on the shoulder and said, keep going. Because it, yeah. it, takes, it takes courage. It takes commitment. This isn't something that's necessarily just handed to us on a silver platter. Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, a thing that just came to mind years ago, I, I was listening, there was a, a radio talk, radio psychologist that I was listening to, and uh, he, um, he, he was talking about fear of failure yes. and, and how that, how, you know, what the problems with that fear, the problems with the fear of failure. 
And the fear, the fear of what if I try and I'm not as good as I thought I was or wanted to be, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, the worst thing that can happen is you can find out that you're not as good, and then right. you're free to go do something else. Right. And listening to, right. to that, <laughs> I think listening to those words kind of gave me the courage to really take it serious and pursue it, and, and to find out if I, if I did have it or if I didn't have it. And, uh, and, and, and opening myself to you know, taking that risk and, uh, uh, and cause that uh, I think before, I think I had a lot of fear of failure, but it was an unconscious fear that I couldn't define. And when he talked about it that day, you know, of course, that's one of the problems I have. What if, you know, I, I've known all my life, I'm an artist, but what if that's just an illusion? What if that's just a fantasy? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, you know. I think I was in my in my thirties then. I guess it's, it's time to find out. It's time to find yeah, out. Yeah, because if you were right, then you could um, be free to explore something else. Put that right. away. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. And it and yeah. again, it does take courage, and it can be this nebulous fear that's at the back of our mind we can't identify. But you were able to identify it and then go for it. Yeah, and then that that coupled with uh, the you know the Bill Moyer specials with Joseph Campbell, where he talks about following your bliss. Yes. You know, you know, between the between the, the facing fear of failure and following my bliss, I had no choice but to, I guess but to but to take the risks and and get going with it. I'm so glad you did. You're such an inspiration to me and so many um, people here in the Boise community. I love going around town and seeing your work and and I love seeing your stories, getting into the magazines and into the papers. And you're you're going international. I'm I'm so excited. You are not the starving artist. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you could see me in person, I'm losing my credibility as a starving artist. I'm starting to get a little portly. <laughs> I love that. So you're giving hope to all the other artists. You don't have to starve. It's a choice. It's an option. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way. You know, recently I, I was watching a, a late night talk show thing, too, uh, in my studio. And uh, the, uh, it was uh, Charlie Rose. And he was interviewing a guy who wrote a book called Talent is Overrated. And this is kind of one of my latest little inspirations that keeps me going. And this guy has gone all around the world, I guess, studying superstars. You know, what, what separates the superstars from the pedestrians? Mm. Regardless, and, and it's just one, single, it's just one single thing that separates the superstars from the pedestrians, no matter yeah. what the field of endeavor. And that's 10,000 hours of practice. And that's it. You know, when you were talking about sitting down and coming home and doing what you wanted to do for an hour, I think that shows such strong intention to the universe. And sometimes that's what it takes, the courage, Mm -hmm. the commitment, the intention, and the action steps. And you were were applying manifestation principles without maybe even being conscious of of what you were doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this was, yeah, I, I don't think I was conscious of much in those days. I was, my, my, my level of consciousness was pretty primitive. <laughs> well, you know, it's all served you to being this conscious, extraordinary artist that, that many of us know and love now. So, Fred, um, where can people find you? What is your website? Okay, my, my website is, uh, Fred, it's, I, I'm, I'm pretty disorganized. I don't, I don't sit at my computer much. I have a I have a friend who monitors my email, and he'll call me on the landline to tell me if I have an email I need to deal with. Uh, otherwise, I sit down on my computer once every couple of months. But I have a website. It's fredchote.com. It's F-R-E-D. Yes. Can you spell that out? Yes. Yeah, F-R-E-D-C-H-O-A-T-E dot com. 
and you've got some wonderful work there. There's more information about Fred, and and uh, you can see his beautiful paintings. And so I, I I love your website, and even if you don't pay attention to it, there's somebody that yeah. is. Yeah, there's, and, there's um, a band across the top of the website that directs yes. you to different areas. There's mural. There's a section on murals, a section on fine art, section on classes and stuff. So just click on those. You can wander around for a while. Perfect. I love that. And so, Fred, we're about ready to wrap up, if you can believe. This went so fast. Um, so I just want to ask you if you have any advice for any, anybody out there who may be a late bloomer, who, who may be um, kind of suffering a little bit in their grief, not doing what they love. Do you have anything you would like to say to them? Well, I would say I was, I was about, I was over 50 when I started serious instruction and started learning to paint, started really learning to paint. I, you know, I was, I was in my 40s when I started doing murals and, uh, and, and painting billboards. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a very late bloomer, but it's, you know, it's better late than never. I absolutely agree. You can't say it better. You know, I tell my people that say that, my clients and my friends and my students, I say, you know, it takes about 60,000 lifetimes to wake up so that your 50 is no big deal. <laughs> yeah. You're right on oh, time. I, those lifetimes. Right I time. look at how stupid I've been. This one, man. I. <laughs> it must be. It must be a slow learn to do it over lifetimes. Well, you are just an amazing inspiration to me and so many others. And well, um, well you are. You are also Tammy. You are an inspiration to me, and I, I see the effect you've had on the people in this community. You're. You're really a wonderful asset. Well, and I'm so excited, you know, as a preview of things to come that you and I may be um, embarking on some opportunities together, going into some some areas of, of teaching and, and lifting up humanity. And I'm I'm just thrilled to know That's you. Kind of combining art today. with personal growth, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. So we are just going to wrap up this segment, and when we come back, we're going to talk to another famous Idahoan. He's the proprietor of my favorite restaurant of the world, Barbacoa, which I refer to as the crown jewel of Boise. And Robert's going to share his inspirational story and give us some tips and tools and techniques on how to live a more successful, prosperous, and empowered life. And so, Fred, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day and stepping away from your canvases and your paints to have this conversation. And I'm just really excited to uh, be connecting with you and inspiring others to, to go for their dreams, knowing that they can, uh, they can experience prosperity doing what they love as well. So well, thank, thank you, you so much, Fred. I'm going to call you later and continue okay. our conversation. Okay. Okay, honey. Lots of love. Onward okay, and upward. You, you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, talk to you soon. <laughs> odds of a young girl being discovered by an industry insider while singing to herself pumping gas? One in 300 million. The odds of the daughter of a clergyman from Severn, Maryland spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? One in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. The odds of selling over 40 million records? One and 800,000. And the odds of this musician and performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 150. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. 
It's time to listen. Brought to you have by you Autism ever lost Speaks a cat? and the Ad Council. And have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. So you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and lost cats stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Sassy! This week's episode, Fire at the Shed. Gee, Johnny, this rope swing sure is swell. Don't I know it. (laughs) Hey, it's Sassy. I think she's trying to tell us something. (laughs) Mr. Gunderson? What about Mr. Gunderson? (laughs) A fire? Mr. Gunderson's trapped? Where, Sassy, where? (laughs) What, Sassy? Now that you've got our attention, you'd like to take a moment to talk about shelter pets? (laughs) Shelter pets in general are well-adjusted, healthy, and love being with people? Sassy, we don't have time! (laughs) Pets often end up in shelters due to owner problems like divorce or allergies? That's great, Sassy, but what about the fire? (laughs) There is no fire! (laughs) You're just messing with our heads? Sassy! Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org.